It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by Congressman Rokana to discuss all of the action on the Hill, because there has been a lot this week. Congressman, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I, I'm, I'm a pandemic okay, is, is how, I'm, <laughs> how I'm, I'm classifying things. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing just fine. Uh, you always coin as phrases. I always learn, always learn new <laughs> phrases when I come on your program. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so flattered. We learn important information and you learn nonsense phrases from us. That's great. <laughs> so, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> no, I think I, actually pandemic okay is really helpful because the truth of the matter is no one's okay. We're not okay at all. But if you have your health and you know you're not facing eviction, then you're you know you're maybe a pandemic okay. Um, but I I wanted to ask you about a bill that you have recently introduced because normally. Well, it's an important bill, but the, the, the thing that, that I'm, I'm having fun with this morning is that normally I don't like acronyms in politics. <laughs> I, think, I think that we sort of torture the meaning to fit something cute, and then we forget what the meaning was. And then, eh. But this bill that you have introduced is called the Stop Corporations and Hire Earners from Avoiding Taxes and Enforced Rules Strictly Act, which makes perfect logical sense. That's, that's an English sentence. And the acronym is cheaters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this this bill is going to bring back tax enfor- enforcement for the ultra rich. Can can I ask you to explain that a little bit to folks, especially in light of this GameStop Robin Hood business that we've all been through? Sure, I was shocked when I read about this. Actually, based on a Larry Summers and Natasha Sarin economics paper, but. If we just were to enforce the tax law, meaning don't raise taxes, don't even go after tax evasion, just the money that uh, the top 1% in corporations actually owe but are not paying because they're not declaring the full amount of uh, what they earn, we would raise $1.2 trillion in this country over 10 years. And as you know, I mean, Larry Summers is a pretty moderate centrist economist, so this is not Mm -hmm. something that's sort of left. And my point is, this is low-hanging fruit. I mean, the, the, the shocking statistic, and this was in an article recently, uh, is that someone in Mississippi, Mississippi Delta making between twenty-five dollars and $35,000 has a higher chance of being audited by the IRS than if you live in Park Avenue. And it's yeah. just uh, unbelievable. And so, one, our IRS's resources aren't actually focused on the enforcement that would raise the most revenue, and two, they're understaffed. And so if we were to just modernize and staff the IRS, it was $1.2 trillion. And the great thing about this is this is something I think as the far left to uh, even moderate Republicans can agree on. It's basically saying collect the taxes people owe. Can, can I ask why, why would the IRS go after somebody with fewer resources than somebody with greater resources like you know if, if somebody who makes 20 grand a year owes back taxes it's going to be a really small amount um whereas if we collected the taxes from the ultra rich that they owed we would you know 1.2 trillion dollars right. as you said so what, what why is the priority now going after the little guy it is partly because of the rhetoric i mean going back to reagan of welfare queens and so you know the stuff they go after as well yeah. there are two people who are taking it. EITC 
earned income tax credit deduction and both they're divorced and they're both claiming a child as a pendant or and that right. stuff is easy to enforce right so it's much harder to figure out that someone is making millions of dollars through a uh, a pass through b- business that they're not uh, de- declaring and that's that requires a lot more resources so it's both because of the demonization of uh, the working class and, and and black and brown people in this country but it's also because it's easy if your job is to find fraud and it takes 10 minutes to figure it out if someone is uh, poor and doesn't have sophisticated uh, lawyers to hide things. Uh, that's a much easier thing to find than uh, people who aren't declaring their income. That totally makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> that, is, that, is such, that is such an easy answer to understand. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, in terms of, you know, the environment we're in, we're, we're in a pretty partisan environment. So what you're explaining sounds completely um you know middle of the road it just makes perfect sense it doesn't seem like it's far left or far right to your point um but there probably will still be (laughs) difficulty in terms of getting republicans to vote uh for something like this what is what do you think the best arguments to even republicans are because you know, they, they come up with any reason not to vote for stuff mm-hmm. um, that would make it more common sense for, doesn't for seem the rich. to sway them often, <laughs> um, you know, and and, you know, trying to uh, make it more difficult, difficult in quotes for the rich um, is something that they're generally just opposed to, especially in this moment. So how do we convince yeah. even the Republicans to go along with something like this that would make their donors maybe unhappy? I think we have to say, look, this, we can argue about what the tax rate should be. You can argue that we need lower taxes, and we'll, we argue that we want high, higher marginal taxes on, on the rich, and that's a fair uh, question. But in this country, we believe in fairness, right? Even in athletics, you, 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 can't, you can't cheat in basketball. I mean, you can't. Uh, we want referees who are fair. And really what's going on here is some people are not playing by the rules. And actually, it's unfair to... The, the studies show that 80% of people who are really wealthy are actually paying the tax they owe. So it's the, it's the 20% who are not doing it. So why would you, if you're rich and you're in the 80% and you're actually paying the taxes, why would you want to be painted with this broad brush if, because 20% aren't playing by the rules? So it seems to me this is something just about fundamental fairness, which uh, I don't think is a de- ultimately a democratic value. It's just an American value. I mean, it should be. Uh, there are so many things that you all, that House Democrats especially, are pushing that feels like this should not be a partisan issue. This is an issue of common sense. This is an issue of getting relief to people during a pandemic. This is an issue of making sure we can't, you know, we don't have hate crimes against people for the way they identify. Like, like the things that you guys are, are pushing seem to be so very common sense. Um but they will be partisan because the Republican Party isn't a governing party. It's a it's an obstruction party. It's a it's a you know, it's a front for white nationalism. It's whatever it is now. But it's not it doesn't seem to be interested in governing. So I guess my question is, as we as we try to figure out what these new Republicans are, how does it how does it feel to work with folks like that? Like, are you concerned that? Do you think that we can win any of them over or do you think that we just have to win in elections so big going forward that your majorities will make them irrelevant? I think we have to win elections to do anything uh, major or or, or significant. I mean, 
you have, as to your point, the, the Republicans here are not just opposing uh, ideological issues, right? I understand I'm for Medicare for all. I even understand, okay, $15 minimum wage, I'm very, very passionate about it. I understand you can argue that yeah. uh, on the other side, right? That's what politics, healthy debate. The Republicans here are just basically being no on sort of even enforcing tax rules on saying like we need to help people during a pandemic. We need to uh, have support for vaccination and getting money out so that we can vaccinate the country. And so it is a it has led to to dysfunction in uh, in government. And the uh, the answer to that is uh, we have to win more. Now, do I think having an oppositional party is fine and good? Yeah, but not an oppositional party that's so close to the majority. I think if we had 58, 60 yeah. senators and a more uh, robust majority, we then they'd they change. And they have to, you know, the thing is that what's shocking to me is that they aren't changing, right? McConnell gets asked yesterday, would you vote for Donald Trump as the, uh, if for president, if he's your party's nominee? And he says, yes. And this is a very different Republican party than, you know, George W. Bush won 40% of the Latino vote. And as much as I disagreed with what Bush stood for, he at least understood like the country is becoming more multiracial. Maybe we should make an effort to be to appeal. And the Republicans just seem to keep digging in and not realizing that that lesson. Yeah, so, I did not understand McConnell yeah. yesterday. Like, yeah, how yeah. do you stand on the floor and excoriate the guy for inciting a, a deadly insurrection and then be like, well, yeah, but if he's our party's nominee, I'll support him. <laughs> like, where's where is the logic no. in that? I don't think there and is logic. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And it's like schizophrenic, right, in terms of like one day Nikki Haley is like, I love Trump. And the other day she's like, Trump yeah. is terrible. And I, I just think <laughs> they don't have a sense of what what to do. It's a, they can't resolve their identity with Trump. Yeah, they're having trouble. So <laughs> yesterday, um, the Senate parliamentarian did uh, make a ruling. Sounds weird calling it a ruling, but she made a decision. Um, on the $15 minimum wage being allowed in the COVID relief bill through the reconciliation process. You've been pretty outspoken about the need for a $23 minimum wage, um, but definitely outspoken in terms of the need for uh, $15 minimum wage um, being in this relief package, or at the very least being passed somehow, because $7.25, I mean, who's eating on $7.25? Not very right. many folks. Um, why... Do I know the name Elizabeth McDonough? Like, I don't know that yeah. I should know the name of the Senate parliamentarian, nor should this kind of thing be up to someone unelected. Um, I'm very uncomfortable with that. Um, can you speak to this idea that we waited for, you know, a parliamentarian, a lot of people learning her name for the first time this week? Maybe they paid attention during Senate impeachment trials. That's. Uh, she's more high profile, I suppose, than previous mm -hmm. <laughs> parliamentarians true. for that reason. Um, but speak to the idea that basically you have one woman and she decided that, you know, millions of Americans are not going to get a raise in the short term um, as a result of her determination. It just seems so weird. It's like, our, you know, weird old rules about what is permissible in the Senate in certain circumstances, and it just feels so outdated for the times. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, Elizabeth McDonough is a person of integrity, and, and I personally feel bad for her that she's even 
in this position. I have mm-hmm. no problem with, with her as a person and don't think anyone should demonize her. That's not the problem. The problem is, uh, what has American democracy come to right. where one unelected person who no one has heard of in the entire country is literally deciding that millions of Americans don't get a raise on something that the president ran on and won on on something that majority of states, including Florida, have passed. And there's something just wrong with our democracy that that is the focal decision point. And I think that is why people are so frustrated. I mean, you know, I even said for a $23 bit of wage, but I have said that the worker productivity would, would be in 23 bucks. And what we're trying to say is, let's just at least get it to 15. Right. And, and, and so instead of this being a debate between people who uh, were elected, who folks worked their heart out, knocked on doors, uh, you know, stood in lines at the risk of their own health to get in there, you have someone obscure making a decision based on obscure rules. And that's why I think the opinion should be uh, disregarded and and we should keep this in uh, in reconciliation. So when you say disregarded, that means that you're in favor of the vice president overruling the parliamentarian or you're in favor of swapping her out for somebody more pliable like the GOP does when this happens to them? Like what what is what is the what is the recourse? No, I don't think she should. I I don't think she should lose her job over it, but her. Uh, her, her, because I don't think her, you know, I don't think she's done anything wrong. I mean, that's her opinion mm-hmm. based on her framework. But I do think that in the past, the vice president, Nelson Rockefeller and, and others uh, have uh, ignored the parliamentarian. In fact, Nelson Rockefeller most famously did it to lower the filibuster threshold from 67 to 60. It would never have been lowered to 60 if uh, the, the parliamentarian had been uh, allowed to, to make the decision. But I think it's unfair to just say this is uh, Vice President Harris's decision. I think what we need is a collective leadership decision uh, of the leadership of both parties in the White House to say that we're going to disregard uh, the the opinion of, of the parliamentarian here. And that doesn't reflect the will of uh, the American people. Do we think that that's likely to happen? Like, what what sort of noises are you hearing coming out of the Biden-Harris administration? No, it's not likely to happen, but progressives mm. are trying. I mean, we, we've got a, there was a group text chain last night of uh, <laughs> a lot of us, and I, I think we're going to try to send a very respectful letter. Uh, but it's, you know, I think when people, uh, and I know you get it, but they, they, they don't understand that every time one of these things happen, it just erodes the trust and faith that people have in our democracy, and it's why they become apathetic. It's why they become cynical. And so do I think that people are going to go out and say, oh, no, we're going to go vote Republican? No. But do I think people may say, you know what, am I really going to be as passionate about getting involved again and again and again uh, if something as simple as raising the minimum wage can't get done? They may not even blame me or other people in Congress. They may just say, well, the system is so rigged, it doesn't really matter. And that's really that corrosive cynicism is what we're up against. The yeah, same is true fear. about the, the relief bill um, overall. I mean, the polling about the relief bill is act absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. 60% of Republicans support the COVID relief bill. Republic of Republicans. And we and I, to get I, to the place where we're we're we haven't passed it yet is is a little bit nuts. I, I've said that I think more <laughs> Republicans support the COVID relief bill than believe that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. I mean, it wow. is, it's, it's like the yeah. one thing that, yeah. 
has cut through. And I, I, I mean, I think the Republicans are obviously just on the wrong side of uh, uh, a, a lot of these issues. And I do think the president's plan is a strong, strong plan. And I want to give them credit for things like the child allowance that's going to cut child poverty for, for funding for vaccines, for funding uh, it, that's going to uh, go to, to working families and, and, and people most in need in the earned income tax credit. So it's a very, very strong uh, plan. And, and the fact that the majority of the American people support it uh, should, should uh, be encouragement that uh, uh, tackling fundamental inequality and helping people is a, is a broadly shared value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. I have, I have a sort of meta question for you about how to deal with all of this because I, I'm hopeful that a lot of us learned our lesson about giving airtime to, um, you know, <clears throat> Trump. We'll just, we'll just say Trump. I'm not going to characterize him in any way. I, hopefully a lot of us learned our lesson about just giving airtime over to that nonsense. Are, are we putting too much, like, is it helpful that we point out all of the absolute insanity that Marjorie Taylor Greene is spewing and, and, you know, how dangerous it is that Lauren Boebert is showing up with a, you know, wall of guns behind her to committee hearings. And is that helpful to point that out? Or are we distracting from the good work that you guys are actually trying to do? Like, what's the right balance there? I do think we have to call it out. I mean, one of my, my colleagues who I really respect, uh, Marine Newman, who has, yeah. uh, you know, a personal ma- family, which were yeah. uh, trans, and for her to be across from Marjorie Taylor Greene's office, and then for Marjorie Taylor Greene to put out a, 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 a flag or, or a display something saying that there, there's a man and a woman and that scientific fact and nothing else. I mean, I mean, imagine if someone put out right across my office a, a racist slur about Indians, like Indians aren't Americans. Something. And every right. day, my staff and I had to go to my office and walk past that. I mean, that, those things have to be called out. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think that there are distractions. I understand that we, we need to be more productive. But if we don't call out the, that kind of hate, bigotry, racism, prejudice, then I think it, it just stays in our, our politics in a, in a cancerous way. I agree. I went on a whole rant in the last hour about just what happened to like basic human decency. I don't understand sort of this personality version. Well, this version of the Republican Party, like who's in Congress now? Who are the more high profile folks? Like they're they're just really mean. Like they're just, they're not <laughs> kind. And and I mean, it's one thing to have a difference of opinion on the political spectrum. Um, you know, I'm for tax cuts or whatever. I'm not for Medicare for all, like, you know, and then argue your point. But I don't know. The sign going up outside of Congressman Newman's office is is another example of just what I feel like is a mean spirited through line in our politics, maybe due to Trump. Maybe it was there before. Maybe it goes back to Newt Gingrich. I don't know. But do you feel like we've gotten to a place where the political opposition is like the enemy and they are like we dehumanize them and how can i don't know how can we as progressives do a better job to set a new normal on that because i feel like we're losing a little bit of you know what makes a democracy healthy and that you know people are being too mean (laughs) well i agree i mean look i've taken the approach and some people disagree with, with my approach but i go on fox news in fact i'm going on Next week, Ben Shapiro is put as asked to come to his podcast. He totally misdistorted. I put a, out a statement on one, on CNN. I was on with 
uh, Abby, and I said that, you know, we, we, we shouldn't uh, want businesses to have low wages. And the Republicans and others put out a clip saying Connor says we shouldn't want small businesses. And I saw Daily <laughs> Wire and all it, it. I mean, literally, like they have that article. And, and then Facebook, it's like millions of people. I'm getting calls from in my district from Republicans, I mean, my district 75 percent Democratic, saying, why does Connor not want small businesses? And so, you know, I said, OK, yeah. I'm going to go on the podcast and at least talk to folks. And maybe, maybe, you know, I'll reach 5 percent, 10 percent. But I just think we have to make an effort to get past the the social media bubbles, the, the, the social reality bubbles, and talk to folks. I, I don't believe at, at the core, given how I grew up, that 30, 40% of Americans believe the, the, the radical things that some of these people say. I just, I just fundamentally refuse to believe it. Maybe that's naive. Maybe it's hopeful. But, you know, we did elect people like Barack Obama in this country. We've elected people like mm-hmm. Kamala Harris. So that, that gives me, me hope. I have hope that there are more of us but I'm not sure that I still believe that their numbers are less than 30 or 40%. Like, I think that's, that's where I'm sitting right now. But I, I, do, I do get the sense that, like, it, there are more of us, and if we make our case on large platforms, people who, people who are amenable to hearing it will hear it, and that will change things. We, our numbers are growing. It, it does... I, I have hope, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> But the, one of the things that makes it the hardest, actually, the thing that the thing that that really like puts me back in Trump era, is the the aftermath of the insurrection and the the you know the hearings that I'm I'm watching and I'm watching you know Senator Josh Hawley ask the Capitol officers whether or not they were complicit. I, I guess as somebody who was directly affected by that. Um, how do you feel about the putting together of the 9-11 style commission? How do you feel about it being bipartisan? What, what would you like to see? I think the speaker's uh, leadership, I completely trust on this. I mean, I, I think it should, first of all, it should, in my view, reflect the makeup of at least the House, which is every committee has more members that, uh, of the majority party. But if, if they want to have it bipartisan, have it bipartisan, but have members on it that are really interested in getting at the truth they're probably don't not running for president in 2024 and right have you know and i don't know i guess i just it's so mind-boggling to me that more republicans aren't concerned when the prime target of that all day was vice president Pence, right i mean i just you know it's not like they were out there just to get progressive democrats or, or the speaker i mean they were out there to to, to uh, target people like senator mcconnell and i guess mm-hmm. i just don't understand if someone were to have come out just to targeting, you know, progressive Democrats or others. You would just think your your belief in your own uh, dignity of the place would would say, let's hold these folks accountable. And that's what I find so surprising. Do you think that there are people on like are there are there member are there colleagues of yours who also need to be held accountable? People who are currently serving in the House for the act for what happened on January sixth. I think there are colleagues of mine who, at the very least, need to be investigated and see, yeah. you know, were, were they giving tours? Were they uh, inciting and sharing information? And, and, you know, I don't think we ought to just jump to conclusions based on media reports, but they, there, there needs to be a thorough investigation, and, and I, I'm pretty confident that there will be. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk this week also about um, – First of all, I think we should stop calling it a 9-11 type commission. It's weird that we have 
it, it, we do this. We we like oh, everything is a gate on everything. Yeah, yeah everything is a gate. <laughs> and now anything terrible with a large scale mass of life is compared to 9/11. But I think like we're so far from 9/11 in terms of the scale of this and the loss of life of American life that I don't think we should call it a 9/11 11 type commission because this is just a COVID commission. COVID is its own right. um, American tragedy. So in terms of the COVID commission, I'm just renaming it this mm-hmm, morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your, what's your take on sort of this debate between uh, the, you know, Republicans and Democrats in, in, in Congress right now, because uh, there are a few more Democrats on this uh, proposed um, COVID commission right. than Republicans. Um, but it sort of is re- related to our conversation about, you know, how how reasonable can how many reasonable Republicans are there left um, who can seriously look at what happened on January 6th and um, or not the COVID commission, but the, the insurrection commission is what we should call it, um, who will actually look at the facts of what happened on January 6th and hold folks accountable. Maybe they're in within the Republican caucus, but, you know. Is is it possible to find a, the same number of Republicans to put on this commission for the insurrection commission correction um, to be able to, um, you know, come to a resolution so we can prevent it from ever happening again? We also need a covid commission. I guess I, I, I that's why I said that by mistake. <laughs> we need that, too. But yeah, no, I, I, I was, it's not the 9-11. I, 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 style. The news I was like, did we I was like, did we get a COVID commission? <laughs> Apparently we need one, according to my brain this morning. No, I think we but do. The, the, the insurrection. We, we I, need I all these you. commissions. We need many. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, not to harken back to the 9-11 commission, but what made that so effective, in my view, is it wasn't just looking at what happened. It had very concrete re- recommendations that have helped us be a more secure country. I mean, I didn't agree yeah. with everything. I didn't agree with the Patriot Act, but there were areas where law enforcement wasn't coordinating with each other and things where the intelligence we weren't acting on. And you you have to give credit to people who were involved with that and implemented that. It, we are a more secure country against terrorism because of that report. And so the goal for uh, a commission, whether it's uh, on insurrection or whether it is on COVID uh, shouldn't be, in my view, as much litigating who was to blame. I mean, that can be part mm-hmm. of it. It should be what steps should we take so that these things don't happen again, so the next pandemic doesn't take 500,000 American lives, or so that the next insurrection doesn't lead to a total uh, lo- breakdown, possibly, of American democracy and loss of life. Are there en- re- enough Republicans who could do uh, a sincere job? Yes. I mean, there are people like uh, Mike Gallagher, uh, who I've worked with, you know, there, I mean, we have disagreements, but an honorable right. person. I mean, there are, there are enough. And, and the, I, I guess I'm less hung up on what the numbers are than what the composition of who, who serves on that uh, commission. That sounds like a much more productive approach to a commission. I like I yep. just wanted to figure out who to blame and then blame them as loudly <laughs> as possible. So I'm I'm glad that that you're the one who's in Congress and I'm I'm the one who has the radio show because I think figuring out how how to prevent these things in the future is probably a much a much better goal for uh, for whatever commissions we have to investigate whatever travesties we have all lived through. Um, Congressman Rokana, I want to thank you for hanging out with us this morning. It was uh, enlightening as always. And we appreciate you. Thank you. Always enjoy the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. 